Hey guys, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place to follow the players, stats, storylines, tournaments, news, and everything else that's going on in the world of professional volleyball. In today's episode, I will be recapping the Volleyball Nations League Final Six and kind of giving some thoughts on the tournaments as a whole. Just got back from Chicago yesterday, so I was attending the semifinal and final matches in person very fun tournament. If you guys ever have a chance to get out to a high-level tournament like this, I heavily, heavily recommend that you go. I might chirp the tournament a bit or a lot during this podcast, but I will say it was definitely worth it overall. Volleyball Live at this level, just a completely different experience than, you know, high-level high school, high-level college games. The speed, the power, just insane. So again, if you get a chance to watch national teams or high-level club teams play in your city, definitely go check that out. So for all the volleyball fans out there, I hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, so first of all, congrats to Russia, two-time Volleyball Nations League champion, still the only team to win Volleyball Nations League, beating the Americans in their home turf in Chicago in the finals. It was a pretty exciting matchup. Going into that finals match, I thought the Americans had the upper edge, just given how well they've played the entire weekend, beating Brazil, beating France very handily. And then we didn't really get a real USA versus Russia game in the pool phase because both teams kind of playing with subpar players in order to avoid Brazil in the crossover. This loss for USA means that Still, the hosts have not won the tournament since 1994 when Italy hosted the final round in Milan. So pretty spectacular run, 25 years of the host team never winning. We had some close calls with Brazil in Curitiba when France won in 2017. Brazil won 7 of 8 of the World League titles in the 2000s, except the one year they hosted in Rio de Janeiro in 2008 when the United States won. Bit of a weird curse, just an interesting fact. But the way Russia beat the Americans, amazing blocking, amazing serving. Seven aces in the match, ten blocks on the match. But other than that, their serving put a very good passing lineup from the USA into a bit of a disarray at certain points. Their blocking was huge and especially dangerous when the USA had to play out of system, which was actually more often than you would think in this match. I mean, it's just a huge team. Igor Kobsar is their smallest player on the court. It's 6'6", and he's their setter. So they have Dmitry Volkov, 6'8". Igor Kliuka, 6'10", one of the tallest outside hitters in volleyball on the wings. Viktor Politaev, also 6'6", but has a huge vertical, even on his blocking, at the opposite position. Ivan Yakovlev, who I called being an amazing player this entire run-up during this tournament, and lo and behold... Best middle blocker awarded by the FIVB for the tournament. So good on him. So he's 6'9". And then Ilyas Kirkeyev, 6'10". Even their libero, Valentin Golubev, is 6'3". So just a huge amount of size on this team. And while sure, they may not be digging up a ton of balls in the backcourt or passing dimes on every possession, that blocking, that serving, and then of course being able to punish any lack of size by the opposing team really, really makes this Russian lineup effective. I think this is a great first showing for Russian coach Tommy Samovuo in his first kind of major competition with the Russian team. 
he did a good job at testing different lineups out during the Volleyball Nations League preliminary phase while still giving his main players plenty of practice and reps playing together. I think he definitely found the most effective lineup with the players that he had been given. I thought his game planning against each team was smart too. Against Poland, floating it a bit more and making sure the middle was ran a lot so that their middles didn't get too comfortable and couldn't set up big double blocks. And then against the Americans, going a bit harder on the serving to get that team out of system so Micah Christensen couldn't do what he usually does and, you know, set pipes really quickly, mix it up really well, feed his middles from anywhere. So great coaching from Tommy. And he also really kept his team calm, collected, focused. Anytime one of their players tried to complain, he would shut it down right away, which was a big contrast to maybe teams like Poland and Iran and Brazil, which very good teams, but very passionate and can let it get the better of them sometimes. But of course, VNL, not the main focus of the summer for Russia. They still have Olympic qualifiers, which just got a bit more interesting because Iran might be a stronger team than previously thought. And also the news that Cuba might have some of their former national team stars like Robert Landy Simon, Michael Sanchez, Hirzulo back with the team certainly makes their pool not incredibly difficult, but harder than they thought. And of course, European Championships in September, where they will also look to repeat. I think they have a good shot at qualifying for the Olympics for sure, but also I think they're going to be one of the favorites going in to the European Championships, maybe only behind Poland. A few of the players missing from VNL are rumored to be returning for those tournaments. Dmitry Mazursky, I think, will be a great addition in the middle. He'll definitely be the main guy there. And then Yakovlev and I think Kirkeyev will fight it out for that second middle blocker spot. Maxim Mikhailov will come back. And while Viktor Politeev, incredibly impressive player, especially in person, gotta have probably the biggest vertical in volleyball. And he's not exactly short, it's 6'6". Very impressive player to watch, really effective. A tad inconsistent though, which we saw in that finals game where he only went 10 of 27. Maxi Mikhailov, maybe still one of the top five players in the world, even if the end of the last season didn't go too well for him, could still provide some very valuable consistency and leadership in the opposite position. And then the last guy that's rumored to be joining them is Alexander Butko, the setter longtime setter for the Russian national team, as well as the setter for Zenit Kazan. He's kind of the most interesting choice because I thought Igor Kobzar, who was the captain of this Russian team that won VNL, maybe not the best setter in the world, but had really good chemistry with a lot of his guys, especially the younger guys like Klyuka, Volkov, Politaev, and Yakovlev. And also he runs a nasty shoot with Kirkeyev that was really effective against Poland in that semifinal match. And even though I'm a huge Dmitry Kovalev fan, and I think he could have been easily the starter in this Russian championship team, I think Kobzar and Kovalev complement each other really well as a one-two setter punch. Kovalev a bit stronger of a server with his really devastating float serve, but it just depends on the matchup and what kind of passers the other team has. Also, Kovalev is a much, much stronger blocker than Kobzar, but Kobzar has the better hands, better set placement, Definitely a just massively better setter when you're talking about going to the middles. So I think you can switch between either of those guys depending on the matchup. But probably once you introduce Buko into this mix, even though he's an incredible setter, I think maybe there could be a chemistry issue. One of those guys getting relegated probably 
off the roster entirely. Not sure who it'll be. Cobbs are probably a safer, more skilled setter, but Dmitry Kovalev has a lot of the skills you want in a kind of switch-up option off the bench. So some interesting options for Semlevuo to consider, but considering that Mazursky and Mikhailov at least have very easygoing temperaments and diverse skill sets, shouldn't be too hard to implement them. So after Russia was presented with their VNL trophy and Australian DJ super duo Nervo played their smash hit Worlds Collide, we were presented with a very awkward, kind of confusing dream team presentation. For those of you who haven't watched one of these tournaments before, the FIVB usually does a dream team at the end of the tournament. It's only comprised of players that want a medal, so for second or third place teams, comprised of two outsides, two middles, one opposite, one libero, one setter, and then an MVP that is separate from that group. However, I don't know if there was some confusion or they were intentionally misleading or just trying to mix things up. But for some reason, in the arena, the announcer, who I thought did a great job, by the way, he was given Viktor Politaev's name, so he called out Viktor Politaev, but Igor Kliuka's face showed up on the screen saying best opposite. So not only did they mix up the name and the player, they gave the best opposite award to a player who, as far as I know, did not play one rotation of opposite the entire tournament. So I don't know if someone who is doing the awards just assume Kliuka was an opposite because he was so tall and he was playing on the wings. Kind of an embarrassing moment. Not sure, again, if it was just a technical mix-up or someone really doesn't know their volleyball. But it, it appears in the official press release from the FIVB on their website that they gave three Best Outside Hitter awards and then they gave Best Opposite Hitter and MVP to Matt Anderson. So I think that suggests that someone accidentally put Kaliuka as an opposite. I mean, I guess they have to do these things, these awards, pretty quickly after the end of the game. And it is usually a bit of a game of broken telephone between various people involved with the process and the tournaments and the hosts and the organizers and the FIVB. Still a bit of a silly mix-up though. And Anderson as the MVP choice was almost an even stranger decision, considering that pretty much everyone in the arena just assumed that Taylor Sander was going to get the USA's most prestigious award. He was definitely their best player throughout the tournament. Really put the team on his back at points for the offense and in reception for a lot of the medal round in the final six. But not only was he not given MVP, he wasn't even given best outside hitter. Those awards went to Bartosz Bednorz and Dmitry Volkov, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but no doubt Taylor Sander was better than both those guys over the course of the weekend. So really strange for Matt Anderson. Struggled to kill the ball, made a lot of unforced errors this weekend. Didn't have a terrible, terrible match, but definitely no way he is MVP. Probably shouldn't have gotten any award at all. I thought he was one of the poorer performers for the USA. But nope, he got MVP on the losing team. Very strange stuff, guys. Very strange. So the rest of the awards that the FIV presented, Ivan Yakovov as the best middle blocker, which is great for him. Max Holt as the other middle blocker. Another guy I thought had a great tournament. Micah Christensen, best setter. Eric Shoji, best libero. And then, as I said, the best outside hitter is Dmitry Volkov in Ben Norge from Poland, third place team. So if you were tallying those, you would also notice 
that four players were on the USA's losing side compared to Russia's three players on the winning side. And I'm not saying that any of those players were horribly undeserving, except for maybe Matt Anderson. And by the way, I love Matt Anderson. I think he's still one of the best players in the world. I just don't think he had the best tournament this VNL. But anyway, Russia with less players on the Dream Team than the USA. It's just tough because, you know, I'd love to use the Dream Team as a barometer for a player's accolades and accomplishments and kind of use it to compare different players across different eras and different countries. But when the selections seem this nonsensical, it's just tough to give them any credibility. So I would love to have these selections given a bit more thought. I'm not sure the process that they use to select the teams. I've heard it's very stats-based which would actually make a lot of sense given the poor history of stat keeping at this tournament. But since I'm hoping you guys trust my volleyball analysis more than you do the guys making this decision, I'm going to give you my own personal VNL Final Six Dream Team. And I would love to hear you guys, if you want to message me on Instagram or email me or whatever, what you guys think your dream team would be. So if you're sitting at your desk or something, take a quick moment, write down your eight players and let's uh, compare them after. So at the outside hitter positions, as I mentioned, Taylor Sander, definitely USA's best player throughout this tournament. The handlebar mustache, while a little ugly in my opinion, definitely gave him some sort of superpowers. He was jumping really well, attacking the ball almost perfectly. While not his best passing performance ever, still probably better than his two other passing teammates. So he was a rather easy choice. Probably not the best outside hitter of the tournament though. For that award, I'd have to go with Igor Kliuka. But since the whole point of this is to give the best player overall the MVP trophy, I'm going to select Igor Kliuka as my MVP. Kliuka is a rare wing attacker who can hit well above 7 feet, OT any shorter blockers, you know, find the court against pretty much any single block. But he also has a really good changeup game. He has nice tips, nice roll shots, sees the court behind the block extremely well. And that led to some unbelievable efficiency this tournament. He hit 11 for 14 in the finals against USA, who, by the way, is a very good defensive team. So just crazy, crazy efficiency from Igor Kliuka. Great blocker. Obviously one of the tallest outside hitters in the world at 6'10", bordering on 6'11". So not hard to take up a lot of space when you're that size. Really frustrated Matt Anderson during the final match. And then, of course, his serving. Probably the best server at the entire tournament. He may not hit it quite as hard as guys like Leon and Zaitsev and Jörg Grozier, but he kind of makes up for it with a much higher efficiency level, keeps his error rate usually under 20%. So for a guy that's scoring a lot of aces with a strong jump serve, keeping your error rate under 20% is really, really good. And you saw that error percentage in service as a huge difference between Russia and USA in that final. Kliuka's obviously been really good before, but I think he is starting to transcend to a superstar in volleyball. And then for the other outside hitter spot, I mean, I just had to give it to Bartosz Bednorz. I definitely considered Dmitry Volkov here too, because he did have a good tournament as well, for many of the same reasons that I praised Kliuka for. But Bednorz, as the first option on this fairy tale Polish B team, who I haven't really talked about yet, but I, I will talk about going forward one of the better stories of the weekend Poland fully bringing their B team while their starters train in Poland and still winning bronze 
But anyway, Bednarz, the main offensive option on that team, had a very high set load every game, but just made it look easy. Hitting over guys, hitting around guys, and he's a very strong guy. So when he gets the ball past the block, very, very tough guy to dig. Serving was pretty good. Blocking was great. He was subbed out quite quite often in the back row to pass. As we know, Bednarz, maybe not the strongest passer ever, but when you're playing that well in the other four rotations, some poor passing can be excused. For the middle blockers, this is a pretty tough. There are a lot of good middle blockers in this tournament. I think I agree with the FIVB, with Max Holt, him and Micah Christensen's time together in Modena. I think even improved what was already a very good middle blocker setter connection. Scored pretty easily. Serving was a bit suspect, but was all over the place when it came to blocking. Was able to commit block a bit with the Russian middles and then dive out to the pins when he could. Russia didn't have nearly as much effectiveness against Max Holt as they did against many of the other middle blockers this weekend, which were absolutely devastated by the Kobzar to either Yakovlev or Kirkeyev sets. And then the second one was really tough. I really liked Yakovlev. He had a great tournament, huge blocking, pretty devastating attacker in a in-system offensive scenario. And then his teammate Ilyas Kirkeyev had a great game against Poland, was unstoppable, as I mentioned earlier, getting fed those shoots from Igor Kobzar. Again, another good blocker, and I think a bit of an underrated server. He has this kind of one-handed toss floater that always seems to go like five feet left to right in the air. So I think that threw off a couple people this weekend, but I have to give it to my guy Karl Klosch on Team Poland. The only veteran presence on this Polish B team. And I think Karl Klosch, he skipped a couple seasons of the national team due to injury or, you know, wants to train by himself. And he could have had an ego about the whole thing and say, no, either I'm training with the guys in Poland or I'm not going to play at all. But he sucked it up, came to Poland, led the young guys, was a mentor and a veteran presence, but also a very good player, was serving some devastating floaters that I swear only cleared the top of the tape by an inch almost every time and did his best to stop a very impressive array of opponent middle blockers from both Brazil and Russia. And you could tell during his captain's speech after the bronze medal match that he was very proud of his team, loved being in Chicago with the huge amounts of Polish fans supporting him. Great tournament for Kloch. Setter was actually fairly easy. You may think I was considering Kobzar, considering how much I've praised him over the course of the podcast, but even though he was finding guys very well, I don't think he gives you a ton in other areas of the game, like back row defense and blocking. And he also struggles to set back row sometimes. Similar situation actually to Marcin Komenda, the Polish setter, who I think he did a great job, very good at setting balls in the front row. But again, a very safe setter, very technical, sticks to what he knows, pretty much never sets back row and gets tooled and burned on the block a bit. So I will have to go with Micah Christensen. Looked very, very impressive all weekend. I mean, pretty much all of you have probably watched more than enough Micah Christensen between Modena, Lube, and Team USA. Really kind of the identity of that Team USA team, in my opinion. He's the reason why they're able to run back row balls so well. He's the reason why they're able to run so many fun combination plays. And while his set distribution may not be my favorite thing ever, he probably sets the middle ball better than almost anyone in volleyball, if not everyone. 
However, that's the last award I'm going to give to Team USA because the libero, this is this is probably the hardest one because, you know, I did like Eric Shoji. Even though he might not have had that many opportunities to play spectacular defense, I thought his secondary setting was really good this weekend, as well as his serve reception that was dealing with some very tough balls put in from Russia and Brazil. Kind of the opposite to that was Polish libero Jakub Popovshak who struggled a bit more in serve receive, but man, did he make some incredible digs. Really, really smart read on the attacker. I swear whenever anybody tipped against him, he was flying across the court, already knew what was going on. Really good at reading the ball coming off of blocks as well. And he's only 23, so I'm betting his serve receive can match up to his defensive abilities in the future. But I have to go with Valentin Golubev, the Russian libero, as the best libero of the tournament. As I mentioned on the preview podcast, the Russian libero was going to have their work cut out for them, passing between Dmitry Volkov and Igor Kliuka, who, while fantastic players, are not exactly the best in serve-receive. So whoever was playing libero for Russia, previously Alexei Verbov, who obviously did a great job, was going to have their work cut out for them. I think Golubev did a great job passing. He was getting targeted a lot by the servers, probably hoping that it landed in the 5-6 or 1-6 seams, make those big lumbering outsides move around a bit, but almost always Golubev was there to cover that ground, really made that Russian offense tick, and especially allowed them to run some really nice middle plays, especially in the game against Poland. And while the Russian team overall might not have made a ton of digs, Golubev was there a lot of the time in position 5 to pick the ball up, and Russia, even out of system, they're very effective. Kliuka, Volkov, Politaev, all three guys can score very efficiently in out of system, even compared to in-system offense. So love that about Golubev. Zenikazan has picked him up for next year, and I think they made a great choice. I think after this tournament, I'm pretty sure he is going to be the heir on the Russian national team to Alexei Verbov. So those are my picks for the Dream Team for VNL. Not saying they're perfect, but I think I provided some pretty good reasoning behind each of those picks. And you could go a few ways with a few of those for sure. But I will say, two things you have to do when you're making your dream teams. You have to include Taylor Sander. And I don't think Matt Anderson should be your MVP. And speaking of Matt Anderson, let's talk a bit more about the Americans. Definitely going into this tournament as one of the favorite teams other than Brazil bringing almost their best lineup possible, the lineup that they will probably play with at the 2020 Olympics, playing in their home turf in Chicago. I will say, first of all, the Americans probably had the fourth best fan base of the weekend in their home turf. Poland was absolutely crazy in Chicago. Tons of really passionate, also very drunk Polish fans. Brazil also had a ton of people come out for every game. Saw Brazil jerseys everywhere, kind of walking around on the streets near the arena. Iran travels really well. Had a very loud, passionate fan base. Of course, Iran, not the results they were hoping for. Turns out you look pretty good during the preliminary phase when you play your best possible lineup every single game against most teams, bench players and youth players. Doesn't look so good when you get to their real teams. And then probably the Americans were fourth. Russians, yeah, Russians had a few guys show up. I sat next to some Russian fans during the final game. And sorry, French fans, you guys were definitely last. I don't think I saw any French fans during the tournament, or at least very few. 
But even so, even if they were outnumbered in their own arena, I expected the Americans probably to win, especially after that epic five-setter against Brazil, where Jeffrey Jendrick came in in the fifth set, went on a massive service run, made a couple of incredible digs for the big guy in the middle. I thought, okay, they're, they're feeling good. They're feeling energetic. They have all their starters, Russia, missing some key components. So I thought that was the end on Sunday. But one thing I guess I didn't anticipate, Aaron Russell starting the game against Russia, but then being benched pretty early on in the first set. Not sure if he wasn't feeling 100% healthy or Sparaw just didn't feel comfortable with him passing. But instead, Garrett Magututishia came in until Russia was up 2-1. And while I like Magututishia, great passer, great defender, he's essentially a non-factor in the front row. There was no way he was scoring on Russia if they had even a hint of a double block set up. And like the USA, he wasn't serving well. And even when he did get his serve in, it, it wasn't putting anyone out of system. So it's kind of interesting that the USA, who might have one of the deepest outside hitter rosters out of any team in the world, with Matt Anderson, Taylor Sander, Aaron Russell, Thomas Jaschke, TJ DeFalco, just got a ton of guys that they resorted to having to play, sorry, Michael Tutisha, but probably the worst outside hitter brought to the entire Final Six. It kind of reminds me of Brazil's situation last year in the World Championships where they had to start Victor Cardosa for certain games, but with Aaron Russell either injured, I think it's more likely he's injured, because even with his suboptimal passing, I still think he would have been a much better option than the other things they tried. Thomas Jaschke was wearing a boot the entire weekend, so I'm not sure exactly why they brought him. Even Jake Langlois would probably have been more effective than a player walking around in a boot. TG DeFalco also was apparently nursing an injury sitting at home, so they couldn't bring him. So Makatutisha starting the first three games, and then in the fourth set, we had the lineup, which I thought they should have just started with if they weren't going to play Aaron Russell, which is Matt Anderson and Taylor Sandard outside, Ben Patch at opposite. Unfortunately, their passing fell apart a bit in that fourth set, and Ben Patch, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to come in when you're cold. You haven't really played for most of the final six, but he cannot get anything to go in. And then, of course, he is a liability in service and blocking. And when his attacking isn't working, he's not a great player to have out on the court. Maybe if Ben Patch was hitting better and their passing was a bit better, that lineup could have been more effective. Either way, I think it would be better than having to rely so much on Magatutia. And then, of course, the other big story from the Russia game and, to a lesser extent, the Brazil game. Team USA just missing so, so many serves. And I definitely get the philosophy of why Spira gets his players to really go for it. They have a lot of really dangerous servers who can go on ace runs pretty easily. USA, great defensive team, but maybe not the best blocking team at the net. They need time to get their block set up. So that extra half second from topspin serve passes really helps the defense. But at the end of the day, you need to get your serves and you can't be making 20 plus service errors per match, especially in international tournaments where you're playing do or die matches. One game of really bad serving, like what happened in the finals, can mean the difference between a silver and a gold medal. Maybe in a longer series, you have more opportunities to have good serving games to go along with the bad because USA on a good serving night are almost impossible to beat given how hard they go on their serves. 
but it's possible to have a mostly jump serving team with a pretty high win percentage and serve percentage. We've seen it with Russia, Klyuka Volkov, both strong jump servers, don't miss terribly often. We've seen kind of the other side of the coin with Perugia, the Italian club team, where they do miss a ton, probably as often as Team USA, but they also get aces a lot of the time when they do get their spin serves in, kind of making up for that fact. We've seen some of Vidal Hanen's club teams like Friedrich Schaffen to a lesser extent as Polish teams do a lot of clever float serving to put teams out of position and increase the odds that they can get a break point with defense and blocking. But the one thing that doesn't work in volleyball is missing a lot of serves and then not getting the aces when they do go in. In the USA, six aces against Russia, four against Brazil, not exactly a crazy amount of aces going on. And when they do get opportunities to score, they are taking advantage of them. Pretty much their entire team hitting really well in both those games, except for Magatutia and Aaron Russell at the beginning of that game against Brazil. So their side-out game is good. Their defense is good. They just need to get their serves in. We'll see what Spira comes up with in the Olympic qualifiers. Poland, as I mentioned earlier, one of the great stories of the weekend. All their starters staying in Poland but this team still managing to beat Brazil in the bronze medal match. And while it's not a gold, I'm sure they would have been happier to win gold. Still an incredible result for this team that was barely expected to make final six, let alone get a medal. But Norge and Karl Kloch were definitely their star players, but they got contributions from a variety of guys. Already mentioned Marcinko Menda, Jakub Popishvac. Norbert Huber was phenomenal as one of the youngest players in this tournament. Did a really good job of blocking, still struggles putting the ball down sometimes, but serving and blocking, that's really what you need from your middles. Bartosz Folek as the P2, kind of steadied the reception line for Poland and served up some really strong float serves over the weekend. And then Maciej Muzai, Lukasz Kaczmarek split time at opposite. And while I think Maciej Muzai is probably the better option in the future, they both contributed in their own ways. One of the funny stories from this Polish team is that Vidal Hainan left America between the semifinal match, which they lost, and the final bronze medal match against Brazil. His stated reason is that he wanted to get the extra time in training with the guys in Poland. Kind of a weird, weird excuse considering he would only have to stay one extra day to fly back with his team, winning the bronze medal. Strange move from Hainan. I, I like his mad genius a lot of the time but i think it was a bit weird to abandon the team that you had kind of played this nations league with just before they were about to win their bronze medal maybe he thought they didn't have a chance against brazil maybe he just doesn't care at all which is probably the more likely explanation but definitely a fun tournament for poland overall i know a lot of neutral fans were cheering hard for them including myself at the arena i mean there were so many poland fans there it was hard not to get into it a bit but it seems like only a few of the players from this VNL bronze team will be making their way to the European Championships and the Olympic qualifiers. And those players are Maciej Muzai, Lukasz Kaczmarek, Bartosz Bednorz, Bartosz Folek, and Karl Kloch. Even though both Bartosz Bednorz and Bartosz Kolek played very well during the tournament, it's going to be tough competing with the depth of talent at the Polish outside hitter position. Wilfredo Leon joining the team this year. Michael Kubiak, Arthur Schalpuk, who was huge for them in the World Championships last year, Alex Schlifka, who's already in Poland practicing with the team, 
It's going to be tough to break through to that core group. Probably Schlifka has the most chance of breaking off. Even though he played well in the VNL qualifiers with Heinen, he also was not that far removed from sitting on the bench for Rafael Shijimura in the Polish Plus Liga finals. So it really just depends, I think, on what kind of skill set Vidal Heinen wants in this tournament. I think Leon and Kubiak are the obvious starters, so it's just who's going to be the most effective in bench roles. I think the players from that group are who are most likely to get significant time playing for Poland in these major tournaments are Maciej Muza and Lukasz Kaczmarek, both of whom who I would definitely pick over David Konarski. However, Konarski, a big name in Polish volleyball, even though his play might not match up with his reputation. But I think Maciej Muzai, just having such a great year overall, he has some bad things reputationally, maybe choking in big moments, but I think his better play will be very undeniable in the training camps. And by the time the tournaments roll around, I think I think he'll be the starter. Lukasz Kaczmarek, a guy who I usually consider to be a pretty stable, pretty well-rounded player, has shown some flashes of inconsistency, wasn't playing the best ball during this VNL Finals, including some big blocks in that bronze medal match versus Brazil. I'm excited to see who they start in the first game because I think that positional battle is just wide open with Bartosz Kurek not likely to return in the near future. And for the last team I'm going to go into depth about today, probably the most disappointing one, Brazil placing in fourth place not where this team usually finishes Brazil almost always in the finals of these major tournaments incredible volleyball country but just came a bit short this time had a great five setter against USA where they looked like they were going to win it going into the fifth set but Jeffrey Gendricks heroics as I mentioned earlier Brazil just couldn't really find their groove in that set and the USA took it and then just absolute collapse against Poland in the bronze medal match. They played with two mostly different lineups between those two games. Wallace, Yoandri Liel, Ricardo Lucarelli, Lucas Satkamp, Kachopa, and Mike Reyes playing in that first match. And then Bruno, Douglas Souza, Mauricio Borges, Thales Haas, and Alan Souza playing in the match against Poland. So at first glance, it definitely appears like the strong lineup was put out in the semi-final match against the USA, which makes a lot of sense. But the one thing that was a bit interesting is that Fernando Kreling, a.k.a. Cachopa, was the setter in that match playing with Brazil's A-team. So I like Cachopa. I thought he played a really good tournament, but I would not think that he would be on Bruno's level quite yet. So whether Bruno has a nagging injury, wasn't feeling 100%, they didn't want to risk injury to him, I'm not sure exactly what the explanation is but certainly an interesting development for Brazil and I guess we'll get our answer when the rest of the tournaments happen throughout the summer and the Olympic qualifiers the South American championship so we'll see because Bruno falling down the depth charts in Brazil's setting lineup is not something I would have expected to happen and Bruno was quite angry after the loss to Poland in the third place match in an interview he did with off the block a volleyball blog you guys should check out, by the way. They did interviews with a lot of players after the matches. Kind of, Bruno was saying that, you know, he's frustrated. The players, you know, after they lost the semifinal match, seemed like they didn't really care. They didn't want to get on the podium. This isn't the way Brazil plays their volleyball. You know, he said, we're the best in the world and we need to prove it every tournament. So very frustrated from Bruno, it seems. Brazil seems to be a team that cared a lot about the Volleyball Nations League. 
going 14 and 1 in pool play by bringing some of their strongest players to pretty much every game and every round of the entire tournament. However, the 14 and 1 didn't really end up mattering at all. Doesn't help with seeding too much or, or anything like that. Brazil also losing to Poland in the pool phase match, which kind of started the murmurings of Poland's exciting VNL Final Six run. I don't think there's too much worrying signs for Brazil. They were very close to winning that semifinal matchup, if not for a timely service run by Jungle Cat, Jeffrey Jendrick. And you know, they get to the finals. Who knows? Maybe they're a better matchup with Russia. They didn't play each other in the final round, so I guess we won't know. I will say that the Yoandri Leal fit is a little bit more awkward than I thought going into the final six. If he's not hitting and serving really well, his lack of passing is a bit of a liability. And we've seen that while he can be an absolutely unstoppable hitter when he has it going, he is prone to making some kind of strange unforced errors, especially hitting out of the back row during this tournament. Brazil has not won World League since 2010. So I'm pretty sure they were hoping that this would be the one that they could win, especially going 14-1 and one in the preliminary phase. But they have a lot of training ahead of them. They have the Olympic qualifiers, which they probably have the easiest group with Bulgaria, Egypt, and Puerto Rico. I'm sure they can clean up their act for that tournament. But a few worrying signs going into the future for Brazil. Nothing to panic about, though. Still one of the best teams in the world, no doubt. And the practice coming up will surely be very important to integrate you Andrew Leal into the lineup. So those are the four teams that I saw live this weekend. Always fun to watch this caliber of athletes up close. One day I sat behind the baseline, the other day I sat next to the net. Kind of get a different angle both days. Both have their pros and cons. Sitting baseline you get to see the awesome side-to-side -side movement of volleyball. But sitting close to the net you just are much closer to the action and can really feel immersed in the game. I'm also glad I went to see the games live because I didn't have to listen to the commentating. I'm sorry to Clayton Lucas and Alfredo Raft, but we need to have the commentators do a bit more research coming into the game. They get more pronunciations wrong than I do. They frequently don't know who some of the players are, get players mixed up, don't know any of the backstories, skill sets, or anything about any of the players. It's really tough to create an entertaining and informative commentary when a lot of the fans are much more knowledgeable about the game and Alfredo I know he's a little newer to commentating and he definitely knows his volleyball really well but here's my official proposal either a I will go and do the commentary happy to do it know my stuff may take a few dozen matches to learn the ropes but I promise I will get there or b I'll do an information page for each game give a little backstory for the players some key stats some storylines and rivalries between the teams and players. Stuff like that would make the commentary go just so much farther because I can't be alone in saying that. I, I just mute the commentary for most of the games at this point because you're not learning anything new or anything informative about the game of volleyball, which I love a lot, which is the only reason why I made those suggestions. So France and Iran, the two teams eliminated in pool phase. France, I thought they would be a bit better they definitely were overwhelmed by some of the athleticism of the USA and of Russia, both much bigger teams than France, who was missing some of their key players, including Grubenikov, Engapet, and Stefan Boyer. Their strong passing and serving was not quite enough to beat bigger and more physical teams, which goes against the saying that passing and serving is all that matters in volleyball. It's not true. There's, there's a lot of other stuff that matters. 
I know France didn't want to send some of their best players because they have gotten burned by that in the past, but I think they had a missed opportunity to play their best lineup against some high-level competition. And then Iran, I kind of mentioned this going into it, I love the story of Iran. I love that people underrated them, myself included. No one expected them really to make final six, but they proved everyone wrong, had great crowd support in Chicago, got beaten pretty thoroughly, both their matches against Poland and Brazil. They played with their best seven pretty much the entire time in the preliminary phase. And while those seven did play really well, they had to travel a lot, got burnt out, took until the last weekend to officially qualify. So those players were overworked, tired, traveling all around the world, playing all five preliminary rounds is really an exhausting endeavor. And it definitely showed in Chicago, especially with that dream combination of Maruf and Amir Gafour. Maruf's very risky, but very deceptive sets, which were on point and precise during the preliminary phase, just weren't getting to the proper points during the final six. And when those sets are missing, Honestly, it just looks silly and can result in some straight-up unforced errors by the setter, which is something you never want to have. However, Iran does have a lot of good players coming through the ranks, which I will mention when I do my U21 World Championship preview. Definitely got a bright future for that country in terms of volleyball. However, I would also very much appreciate it if they complained a little less. Definitely my least favorite part about that team, but very good players. Anyway, I think that's it for the VNL recap. I met up with several listeners at the tournament. All you guys were fantastic. Had some good conversations with a couple of you. All of you very passionate and knowledgeable about volleyball. Learned a few things. Hope you guys have learned some stuff from me. And even though VNL is done, we are pretty much right on to our next volleyball tournaments. First up, the U21 World Championships taking place in Bahrain. And then right after that, the Olympic qualifiers probably the most exciting events of the summer so there will be plenty of preview content coming out for that but in the meantime i hope you guys have a great week